Hello and welcome to a week 10 edition of the rest of season top 150 rankings show. My name is Adam Levitan. Each and every Wednesday, I am joined by Mark Dankenbring and Jack Miller to discuss our latest edition of the top 150 rankings, how that plays into trading, plays into rest of season best ball markets, buy lows, sell highs, etc. Mark, how's it going today, buddy? It's good. I'm heading back to Cincy this weekend for a good friend's wedding. And I'm uh, looking forward to that. The Bengals are cruising. Uh, Ohio just legalized recreational weed yesterday uh, in voting. So, you know, I think it's going to be a good weekend to go home to Cincinnati. So looking forward to that. Oh, I'm going to have to talk to HR about this, Mark. This is this could be a big problem. Uh, Jack, how's it going today? It's going well. I don't I don't have quite the weekend on tap that Mark seems to. But uh, we're, we're halfway through the NFL season. And so, you know, it's going to be back on here. All right. On today's show, we are going to talk about changes that we've made to our rest of season top 150 and try to come up with some actionable ideas for you guys on your season long teams. We'll also answer questions that you guys submitted on Twitter. And at the very end, we will each give two moves to make. I did want to note before we get into it here that if you do not have your in season package yet for established to run NFL, we did lower the price to reflect that the season is halfway over. Yes, I repeat. The season is halfway over. We we have reduced the price. You can check it out on the subscribe page. We do have our full content schedule through the Super Bowl. All the playoff weeks are included in that in-season price. Head to establishmentrun.com forward slash subscribe. All right, guys. I didn't expect Tony Pollard to have a good game against the Eagles. It is very hard to run the football against the Eagles. Also... I, I know I complained about this on the show with Silva. What kind of sport do you have to come off the sideline and talk to a ref in order for there not to be a penalty? It, it makes no sense. But Pollard would look a lot better if that touchdown had gotten in. I do think he's running a little bit bad, but there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that he has been not good as a runner. They have gone to a more pass-heavy scheme. And I do think there's some risk in Rico Dowdle getting more and more work here. We are sticking with Tony Pollard, though, still here in the first two rounds if we were redrafting today. Mark, when you talk to the people about how you think about Tony Pollard right now and rest of season. And by the way, I should note, their rest of season schedule is very favorable to Tony Pollard. Starting this week, home game against the Giants. Yeah, I think initially just looking rest of season, you know, the next three weeks, you mentioned they get Giants at home this week as 16-point favorites. They travel on the road to play Carolina, likely will be double-digit favorites there, and then they get Washington at home. So just yeah. three absolute dream matchups for Tony Pollard coming up. And while the efficiency – I think the efficiency here is is probably the biggest concern. You mentioned that, you know, the touchdown got called off the board this past week. He still holds a, a really commanding lead over, you know, rushes inside the 10-yard line. He has 18 this season. Rico Daddle has four. Dak Prescott just one. So – um, if, if he doesn't score a touchdown this weekend, people are certainly going to be completely done with him even more so than they are now. Um, but yeah, I mean, certainly the Dallas came out of their buy in week seven and has, have had their two highest pass rate over expectation games and back-to-back weeks. So I, I do think like volume here is a bit of a concern. And then when you compound that with the efficiency concerns, um, you know, I, it's, I don't think he belongs in the, that upper echelon of, of fantasy running backs. We were kind of expecting him to be in. Uh, at the beginning of the season, but this this RB four to RB eleven range, I think, is really just kind of like mix and match each week, given given matchups, because uh, the volume is, is kind of similar with all these guys. So 
Um, you know, I, I do think rest of the way, especially given the matchup, he's passes by. I think he deserves to be an RB one still rest of the season, but um, it's certainly a bit more fragile again, just given inefficiency and and the potential for Rico Dowdle to take more touches. Yeah, and I know I you know I said that Dak and the Cowboys pass game has been on fire and they've been leaning into the pass really hard. When you play Giants is sixteen point favorite, Panthers as you know whatever they're going to be ten or twelve, and then Commanders they can do whatever they want against it's going to start looking better for tony pollard at least a little bit but yeah i'm i'm still worried on the mccarthy stuff i'm still worried that they are not getting him involved in the past game or not scheming him anything in space and so you know these guys that are in this range here we have the, him in the same tier as josh jacobs kenneth walker Brees hall camara jt you can mix and match those however you want like mark said i'm probably higher on jt out of this group uh, than the rest of them, but yeah, certainly a good setup for Tony Pollard here going forward. While we're talking about this tier here, Jack, we can talk about the Seattle backfield where Kenneth Walker, I think somewhat predictably, did not seed nearly as much as he seeded to Zach Charbonnet in week eight. Kenneth Walker remains, I think, a pretty elite asset to have, and I want to have Charbonnet on my team also for a little bit of standalone value and then massive contingent value on Zach Charbonnet. But yeah, how do you see Seattle backfield? Jack, would you be holding, buying, or selling on Kenneth Walker? Yeah, so so Charbonnet actually outsnapped Walker for the second straight game, but a lot of that was in garbage time when the CX were down um, like 30 points or whatever. Yeah. When, when the game was still in question, Kenneth Walker still had his role on early downs. PFF noted that he outsnapped Charbonnet 21 to 5 on early downs. Charbonnet has taken over the passing down role um, from DJ Dallas. So I, I do think that Kenneth Walker is still going to be a guy who, when the Seahawks are in decent game script, he's going to get a lot of carries. And so from a pure volume perspective, I think he makes sense as a buy low. The only problem with Walker is that they play the 49ers twice. They play the Cowboys still. They play the Eagles. So it's just a pretty brutal schedule for getting into positive game script uh, for Seattle the rest of the way. So I'm I'm not really worried about Charbonnet eating into Kenneth Walker's role because I still think he has the early down stuff and he never really has been much of a pass catcher. Um, it, it's more the schedule that would give me a little bit of pause. But I think if someone in your league is panicking, Walker has like 10 total PPR points the past couple weeks. Yeah. Um, I, I don't mind him as a buy low. Okay. I mentioned the JT stuff. So last week, one of my moves to make was buy JT just to try to get ahead of the split widening. I didn't think it would be this drastic, this fast. Last week, Jonathan Taylor easily smoked Zach Moss in almost every usage category. It still wasn't blow up game for Jonathan Taylor. So maybe if someone's sleeping on this in your league, you could still trade for Jonathan Taylor. I would like that move plenty if people wanted to do that. And then the other guy in this range that we have to talk, to, talk about, Mark, is Kamara because it was scary for Kamara on Sunday, they came out giving Jamal Williams a ton of work. They schemed a ton of work to Taysom Hill. It was a mess for Kamara. He only played 49% of the snaps. And like, I did not see that coming on Alvin Kamara. So yeah, as we continue through this running back ranger, how would you be handling it if you had Kamara right now? Yeah, on Kamara, it's, it's tough because you mentioned Jamal Williams' role picked up a lot and they're mixing in Taysom Hill a ton, especially around the goal line. So in the last three weeks, we've seen... Alvin Kamara snap shares go from 72% to 58% down to 
this past week. And, and Jamal Williams, you know, has been ascending coming off of IR. He got up to 42% of the snaps this past week. And then Kendra Miller even mixed in for 10% as well. So it's, it's really tough having a three-way committee there. And then again, Taysom as well, mixing in for touches. So um, I think we can feel very secure about Kamara's pass game role. He's still caught four balls, um, especially, you know, and if they're going to be trailing, they, they have a, the Saints have a super favorable schedule still. But, um, you know, I think the pass game role is there. And but in half PPR, you know, when we're not getting the goal line touches um, and then, you know, there's some concern just overall around the rush volume with head coach Dennis Allen saying how much he loved having Jamal Williams out there and complimenting his blocking. Like that's been a consistent, you know, thing to praise for, for Jamal Williams of coaches over the years. They love having him out there and, and blocking and, and potentially he'll get rewarded kind of with a goal line carry. So I think Kamara is, is still a, a, a low end RB one um, and definitely more valuable in PPR leagues. But I think, uh, you know, potentially Jonathan Taylor could probably jump ahead of him here. We should probably, I, I think, you know, after this, might want to bump him up above Kamara, just given the role expansion there. Not not really any concerns around the goal line and touchdown equity with Anthony Richardson, you know, on IR there still. Um, and, and as you mentioned, we've kind of been waiting on this for Jonathan Taylor. So I think Jonathan Taylor is for sure locked in RB1. You could, you could say probably a top five running back. My only hesitation to put him that high at this point is they, the uh, Colts do have their buy in week 11. So mm-hmm. you are missing out on, on one more week from JT, but the usage there was, was certainly great. And the, and the pass game role for Jonathan Taylor as well is, is, is pretty strong. And if Josh Downs misses any times, like we, anytime we could see, yeah. you know, even more targets funnel to JT. Exactly. And, and you know, JT's pass game role at, well, really any running back who's been playing for the Colts pass game role has been strong because Gardner Minshew was throwing so much at either running back Zach Moss or Jonathan Taylor. So yeah, I, I feel pretty good about that one we didn't have on the list before this show though I want to talk about was Brees Hall because I I know I've said like early in the season when Aaron Rodgers first went down I was scared about Brees Hall and then it looked like he could Brees Hall could overcome the mess that is Zach Wilson as you saw in the game this past week even with awesome usage there are times when it's gonna be really hard for Brees Hall to get there without making huge plays on his own because Zach Wilson should be at Safeway bagging groceries instead of quarterbacking the New York Jets. Then we get Aaron Rodgers telling Derwin James, who back in a few weeks, he goes on McAfee. He said it's going to be a few fortnights. You know, everybody's going to say he's just looking for attention or or whatever. We've seen some very fast returns from Achilles injuries. Uh, who was it? Was it Cam Akers that came back in like six months and was terrible? But he did come mm-hmm. back in six months and he was a running back position. It's not that crazy to think Rodgers would come back in three months, maybe for the end of this season. I mean, it's crazy, but I'd give it, you know, a five or 10% chance or something. And so if that happened, the Jets play the commanders in week 16, I would want Jets on my team. When Zach Wilson's out there, it's harder for me to get excited, but like Brees Hall against the Raiders or the Dolphins or the Falcons or the commanders, like he's gonna be fine with Zach Wilson. And some of the tougher matchups though, I worry about Brees Hall there uh, when Zach Wilson is under center. All right. Uh, oh, I think people have a lot of questions about Detroit backfield. Um, we have been debating what it's going to look like between Jameer Gibbs and Dave Montgomery. Now that Dave Montgomery is coming back and Jameer Gibbs handled the workload so, so well in Dave Montgomery's absence. I like having both on my team. Honestly, I don't think I'd be selling either per se, but you can make a case that if people are valuing either one of these guys as if they are going to. Um, consolidate work that maybe there's a move to be made there. So Jack, what do you think about 
Lions backfield moves to make in terms of Montgomery and Gibbs. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it's a great offense, and I think that they both have their defined roles. Like Gibbs is going to be more involved in the pass game. And then David Montgomery's just been a touchdown machine all season. We have multiple a multiple-year sample of, of this Lions goal line running back role being extremely lucrative for fantasy with uh, Jamal Williams leading the league in touchdowns last year. So I'm with you that that I think both of them are pretty valuable fantasy pieces. I think it's a little bit of a guessing game how much more involved Gibbs is going to be with David Montgomery back. I mean, early in the season, we saw Montgomery just way far ahead on early downs, way far ahead in carries. Um, and people kept almost wish casting for Gibbs to be more involved, and it just didn't happen. Now Dan Campbell is saying we're going to keep Gibbs involved even with Montgomery back. But I think the extent to which that is true is kind of up in the air right now. Yeah, I think that's an interesting spot. Do you have a take on on Detroit backfield, Mark? I, I, I think they. The one thing I think for sure is that Montgomery is going to get goal line work. That's like the most the thing I'm most confident in. I would agree there, and I, I agree that I would I would like to have both of these guys on my team just with their upcoming schedule and the amount of points we're expecting Detroit to score. Um, you know, I think. In the three, they played three full games together. In those three games, David Montgomery had an absurd 69 rush attempts. Gibbs had 22, so almost 90 combined rush attempts in those three games. So I, you know, it's like a three to one edge for Demont so far in those games. I think, you know, I think we can expect it to be closer to like 60 40 or 65 35. So I think Gibbs, you know, or Montgomery, we can expect like between 16 and 20 touches a week, and Gibbs probably between. 11 and 15, whereas, you know, a third of his are coming in the past game. So I, I think both are going to be valuable, but I, I agree. Like the, the thing we can feel most secure on now is David Montgomery has the goal line role. And then um, I do think like, you know, we, there's a chance we could be over projecting how many carries Gibbs gets. So I think hit, like, I, I think there's more room for David Montgomery to go up in the rankings than there is with Gibbs. And, and right now we have Montgomery as RB 12 and Gibbs as RB 17. Right. And, to be clear, I don't think it's a fluke that Jamal Williams led the league in rushing touchdowns last year and Dave Montgomery had a ton of rushing touchdowns when he was healthy also. This is the most run-heavy team in the red zone and not like Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson running in the red zone, handoffs to Dave Montgomery or Jamal Williams in the red zone is how they've been executing there. Debo Samuel's expected back this week. I'm not sure if people realize how big a difference that makes for Ayuk and Kittle projections it I felt real good about playing Kittle in DFS while Debo was out now I think air ball is in play I mean that's how big the swing is I was like yeah I'm gonna get a good game out of Kittle here Debo's out now with Debo back I'm like Kittle could get 40 he gets stone cold zero so Mark is there anything we can do here maybe there's some unsuspecting people in our league we could try uh to trade but I don't feel great about trading away Ayuk or Kittle either though so what do you think about San Francisco stuff right now Last week, one of my moves to make was to sell George Kittle. So I do think he's kind of the biggest loser with Debo back in the lineup. Um, as you mentioned, zero zeros in play, which is kind of crazy just considering his talent level. But yeah, I think, you know, lo looking ahead at their schedule, their past game schedule is extremely favorable. It's uh, top 10 rest of the season, according to Mike Clay. Obviously, they had their buy this past week, so you don't have to worry about buys the rest of the way. So I think if people are, uh, you know, a, a little squeamish on, on Brandon Ayuk and, and Debo, like the, I would be interested in buying them as, you know, high end wide receiver twos, potentially into the wide receiver 
one range. So um, that would kind of be my moves to make there, you know, if, if people are willing to get out from under him. But I think people in general do want to have this 49ers offense on their fantasy team anyway. So I think, you know, it might kind of be tough to pry him away. Last topic uh, uh, to touch on here was the role expansion for um, Aaron Jones in this game this past week. Sounds like he came out of the game fine with this hamstring injury that seems to be bothering him pretty much all year. I know I've said this a million times. I don't know if I agree or disagree or, or whatever. I just know that Green Bay thinks when Aaron Jones is a big part of their offense, that's what makes their offense click. And you saw him get 26 opportunities in that game against the Rams. Now, Packers will not get to face Brett Rippon at home every week. Starting this week, they have to go to Pittsburgh, right? Which is going to be a way more difficult task for Aaron Jones to show efficiency and show touchdown upside. Jack, what do you think about handling Aaron Jones after we saw a breakout game finally for him in week nine? Yeah, I'm pretty bullish on Jones uh, moving forward. I mean, Matt LaFleur himself said that they need to cut him loose. Uh, I think what you said makes sense about Aaron, the Packers thinking Aaron Jones is the engine to their offense makes a lot of sense too. And even if he's not getting 20 carries a game, which obviously should not be the expectation, he, he's so involved in the passing game. He has a 13.6% target share in the season, even though he's only been playing like less than half a snaps in most games. And now he's finally back setting a season high in snaps with 57%. So I think it's pretty reasonable to expect a, a 14 or 15% target share, which is pretty elite for a running back. And that in combination with being uh, the primary back on early downs, uh, I think is a pretty lucrative combo. So I think Jones could pretty easily be an RB1 uh, rest of season. Okay. I have a couple more topics, but I'm going to save them for the moves to make section here. So let's go ahead and move to your questions that we got on Twitter. Appreciate everyone who did indeed take the time to send in questions. Sharp Not Square says, what should we do with Jalen Waddle? Considered him a fringe wide receiver one heading into the year, but he's yet to really break out and has taken a clear backseat to Tyreek's elite season. So Silva and I talked about this a little bit yesterday. Uh, Mike McDaniel was asked, you know, what is you looking forward to most uh, over the bye week? And he said, get Jalen Waddle healthy. We've been higher than market on Jalen Waddle for the last, couple of years it was very profitable last year Jalen Waddle was a smash this year has not been as much he seems to be banged up but I agree with a uh, sharp not squares point that when Tyreek Hill is getting 30 40 percent of the targets in a game it's hard for other guys to get there as much Mark what do you think about the Jalen Waddle stuff right now well I think the Miami stuff in general is, is a little bit tricky to diagnose because so far they've been you know, the, the most explosive offense in the league, but when they've played good defenses, they've definitely struggled a bit more and in, in their remaining schedule after their week 10 bye, they get Vegas at home, which, you know, sets up as a great matchup. Then they get the jets on the road. Uh, they go on the road to Washington, another great matchup. And then at ten, or at Tennessee at home. So like three out of four good matchups, but at the fantasy playoffs is about as brutal as it gets. They get right. the jets, the Cowboys and the Ravens. So, um, you know, I, I think potentially, like, I, I don't know if you can really get great value for Waddle right now. So I would lean hold if he has, a, if he, you know, hopefully he goes off against the Raiders, as Mike Medano said, hopefully he comes out of the bye healthy. They, they get him a good game. And then I would lean like selling at that point, if you still can, just because I'm, I'm pretty terrified of the playoff schedule for sure. Um, 
So that, that's kind of my waddle take. Uh, you know, I, I, we, as you mentioned, we're high on him. I have him in a few leagues, so I'm, I'm trying to kind of walk that, walk that tightrope a little bit, but certainly with how things have gone for him, I don't think people are, are buying him as, as like a high end wide receiver too, which I do think is, is his stealing still. Yeah. Playoff schedule thing is bad. I mean, bad. This Jets, Jets pass defense is, is elite. I mean, it is bad. Um, so yeah, it's definitely something to consider when you're thinking about Miami moves. Walt says, what are your expectations for James Cook with playoff Lenny coming to Buffalo? You still think he'll be a startable RB2 or you think he'll be ranked inside the top 24 to 36 territory? I know it's in his name. I know his name is playoff Lenny. I don't think it's going to be that big a factor. Maybe, maybe I'm crazy. Uh, I think that they signed him as some like weak insurance on Damian Harris being done for the year. I'm somewhat concerned that Lenny could come in and play some pass downs. That wouldn't be great. For James Cook, but overall, I'm not worried that much about Lenny. Jack, any thoughts on James Cook rest of season? Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think it's a bigger impact on Latavius Murray than it is uh, James Cook. I mean, Latavius is is out snapping or out carrying uh, James Cook inside the five yard line, eight to two. I think maybe Lenny could factor in there. Uh, Lenny could also take some pass downs, but I mean, Latavius Murray has also played some pass downs this year, so I don't really think it's going to be a big role change uh, for James Cook. I, I did kind of get a kick out of the Leonard Fournette himself tweeted that him, him and Diggs was a, an elite duo as if that was the, the duo that was, you know, striking fear into defenses. But yeah, I, I think I'm not as high on Lenny's role as, as he seems to be. He also tweeted that like, it's freezing in Buffalo. I was like, buddy, he just learned that it's freezing in Buffalo. Why do you think Leonie is so pale? I mean, Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, let's get another question here. Oh, Dylan says, hope Adam Levitan doesn't go con queso on a bean burrito again. Fart gate established the runs. Yeah. I mean, I'll do the jokes around here, Dylan. All right. You know, just leave it, leave it alone. Uh, Grassman says, do you consider Kyron Williams a sell or a buy low right now? So unfortunately it doesn't sound like Kyron's going to be back for week 10. Sounds like he'll be back for week 11. Uh, if I understood McVeigh correctly there, when we last saw Kyron Williams, Mark, he was awesome. Role was awesome. We And also we have the Stafford injury to figure out as well. What do you think about Kyron? Is he a seller or a buy? On his, I'll hit on his return first because unfortunately on IR, you have to miss four games and not four weeks. So with their buy being in week 10 here, he will miss week 11 and week 12 is, is the okay. earliest he can come back. Um and so the Ram the Rams are another interesting team. I, I think like similar to the Dolphins, where I could see things going both ways here. Certain I, I expect Stafford to come back healthy in Week 11, uh, just based on what McVeigh has said. I don't think Carson Wentz signing there is an indictment on Stafford's health. I think it's more that they saw that you know Brett Rippon is just not an option as a backup there. So, uh, but on Kyron specifically, you know, I, I think like as time has gone along and Daryl Henderson has gotten more into the offense and Royce Freeman, like maybe Sean McVay has, has seen that they they can carry a bit of the load, especially on, uh, you know, early down rush attempts. I think Kyron is still going to be cemented as the clear pass down back. So, um, you know, in terms of being a seller by it's, it's really tough. Like he, you know, the earliest he can come back is week 12. So if you're, if you're in line for the playoffs, they, they do have a good playoff schedule. They get Washington at home in week 15, new Orleans, and then the giants. So, you know, a pretty, pretty solid playoff schedule. Mm-hmm. So, um, I would lean by if you can. I, I still think he will be the RB one there when he returns, but I, I don't think the role is going to be as elite as it was before right. he got injured. I mean, 
They were trying to kill the kid. I, and I even tweeted about this. They, they were giving him like 80 snaps in a game. He was playing, you know, 95% of the snaps. They were trying to kill him. They killed him, you know, and now he's not going to be back uh, until week 12. I agree with Mark. When he comes back, we'll probably see more DeHendo than we would have seen before. But yeah, I still think I know that the Rams have loved Kyron Williams going back to the start of the 2022 season. And yeah, he's like team captain. They love him. I think he'll be the feature back uh, for those soft playoff games. So, so yeah, I, I actually like Kyron Williams as a kind of a sneaky buy. Should not be expensive though, especially since he won't back be back until week 12. Good question here from Tobin. Cooper Cup temperature check. Are you still willing to treat him as a first round wide receiver in trying to buy him low? I just want to say this. The Rams are three and six. Um, Matthew Stafford has some finger issue. I expect him back after the bye. I'm worried that they're going to fall so far behind that it's like, why? You know, why on why should Cooper Cup play out the string? Why should Matthew Stafford play out the string? And if, you know, it's fragile. If they go to Carson Wentz, it's not going to be good for, for Cooper Cup, you know? So we have Cooper Cup 15th overall right now, the wide receiver eight. I think that's about right. If Stafford comes back and they win some games, I still think Cooper Cup can be, a, you know, the number one wide receiver. I just am getting increasingly worried that's not going to be the case. So, yeah. Jack, what do you think about valuing Cooper Cup right now in the trade market? Yeah, he he definitely has a lot of risk. I think he's kind of been that guy the whole season where compared to the guys he's ranked near, he has a lot more risk. But the upside, as we saw in his first couple weeks back, it is really amazing. He still has a 30% target share on the year. I mean, the last three weeks he has, uh, a he has he's averaging 4.1 yards per target. He hasn't scored, so... If you're a believer in Stafford coming back and like you said, the Rams maybe uh, stringing together a couple wins, I think he's a fine buy candidate. But I do think that the floor is basically zero with him as it has been kind of the entire season. Okay. Uh, Sean asked about Chris Olave. He asked about a bunch of guys, but I do want to focus on Olave here. What to do with Olave? He says Olave isn't running any layup routes and Carr is quitting on plays too early and checking down. She would be selling low on Chris Olave. So... You know, I've thought and talked about this a ton. How wide receivers are used makes a huge difference for fantasy. Like this slot plus role that Amon Ross St. Brown and Cooper Cup and CeeDee Lamb and all these guys have, they get targets that the defense just gives them. Like Cooper Cup, go run six yards, stand there. I'm going to throw you the ball. And the defense gives that to you. And they don't do that at all for Chris Olave. Chris Olave never gets any chances like that. And that is... Hard to overcome. So yes, I do think Chris Olave should be downgraded. I don't know how everyone else is thinking about Chris Olave though in your league. I still think he's a pretty good option, a good asset to have. But yeah, I, I've been downgrading him just on the way that he's been used. This last spot that he had against the Bears was such a good spot. I know he caught a touchdown, but still only 46 yards was frustrating. So yeah, Mark, would you be selling low? Now on Chris Olave, or what do you think about handling him? I don't think so. I, I'd be more in the camp of buying Olave and just hope it clicks and, you know, betting on talent. I, I, it's certainly a fair criticism to say he's not getting the layup targets and that maybe, you know, the, the combination with he and Derek Carr just, just won't get there this year. But I, I still think the upside, I mean, he's six right now among wide receivers and targets in the NFL and, and like, the Saints offense and their matchups the rest of the way. I mean, we came into the season knowing they had the softest schedule in the NFL and it, it continues to be that like, so 
Um, I, I would still lean more so by on Olave and just hope that the talents and you know the targets that he's getting turn into more receptions down the road. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say sell or buy. I would probably just say hold on Olave. Like I don't think there's there's really much I could do right now with Olave. I don't really want to sell low. Um, Jay Sharp says he has both Trevor Lawrence and and CJ Stroud. Don't want to carry two quarterbacks. Who has the better rest of season outlook? So yeah, I mean this is what happens when you get into uh, late round quarterback stuff. You find one that hits, and then all of a sudden you have two options every week. We have. Trevor Lawrence, 15 spots ahead in the rankings, but only a few spots ahead in the quarterback rankings. Jack, what do you think about T-Law versus Stroud right now? Yeah, I think if you need to drop one of them, I'd probably drop Stroud. But the thing with Lawrence is that uh, in the first week of the playoffs, he plays the Ravens. The week before that, he plays the Browns. So those are two pretty brutal matchups. Although uh, Stroud does play the the Browns and week 15. So two, two tough matchups for both of them. Um, I, I do think Lawrence is the guy I would prefer from a long-term perspective, but it is hard to just drop Stroud at this point. So I would at least like test the waters, see what you can get for Stroud, especially off the game you just had. I feel like someone's got to be willing to trade for him. Um, so that's probably what I would be doing. I don't, I think it would be really tough to just outright drop Lawrence or Stroud unless your benches are, are pretty small. All right. Last one here. Jake says, hoping you can touch on playoff stashes for good teams. I've been holding Jameson Williams and Marvin Mims with that hope, but I feel like since the trade deadline, both these guys took a hit. Yeah. I dropped Mims and Jameson in a couple spots. Jameson, you know, is going to be contending with DPJ now for targets also. And obviously Marvin Mims is at best the number three wide receiver for a pretty bad Broncos offense. So I agree with that. You know, I, I think, Stashes I would be thinking about are a lot of the guys that Sam and I talked about on the waiver show yesterday, running backs who are one injury away from being elite, you know, and that's like the first thing I would do. The second thing that I would do for playoff stashes is handcuffs on my own team. If I have a really good team and I'm through buys, I'm through injuries, I, I can more safely roster handcuffs on my own team. And then there's always like the late year rookie ascent stuff it's been horrible for quentin johnston if somebody dropped him and i had a really good team i might hold quentin johnston on my bench for a while and see if we can turn it around guys like that mark you have any ideas for people who have really good teams trying to stash some guys i definitely agree on the high upside running back stashes that would be my number one priority in, in terms of wide receivers there are a few few guys i like um i think like rashad bateman is an interesting stash mm -hmm. now Again, there's a potential that OBJ could get hurt. Um, Bateman's role has has risen the last couple of weeks. He's been getting more involved. I think Trey Palmer of the Buccaneers is somewhat interesting. If, if he's been running uh, over 70% of the routes the last few weeks, if, if Chris Godwin or or uh, Mike Evans got injured, he could step into a bigger role. And then um, I think Michael Wilson of the Cardinals is another interesting rookie wide receiver stash, just with Kyler coming back there. They don't have a great playoff schedule and, and a buy in week 14, but um, let's say if Marquise Brown went down or, or something, you know, I think the Arizona offense is a little bit more exciting to invest in with Kyler back at the helm. So those would be my three wide receivers. I'll toss out. Yeah, for sure. I think those are, those are good ones. Um, Noah Gray, if something were to happen to Travis Kelsey, I think would be pretty decent. And obviously Isaiah likely if something happens to Mark Andrews uh, and not just happens, you know, like these guys could rest in week 17, you know, it, it's not, it's not out of the question. All right. 
It's time for everybody's favorite portion of the program. The moves to make ahead of week 10. Jack, I'll give you the floor first for your first move to make. Yeah, I'm going to start with sell Gus Edwards. And he, he did have just five carries. So if anyone in your league sees that and is panicking, you might not be able to get very much. But he also had two touchdowns. So the fantasy points look good. The, you could maybe sell your league mates on it on his goal line role, which should continue to be good. But Keaton Mitchell is just unbelievable on Sunday. He had two runs over 14 yards or over 40 yards. He averaged 15 yards a carry. Uh, and then the Ravens came out after the game and said that they're going to continue to mix in all three backs. So I, I don't really, ex- I think Gus Edwards will be back to the primary role after he was running third uh, for most of the day in week nine. But I think that he's not going to be very involved as a receiver and Keaton Mitchell, any Keaton Mitchell involvement is pretty bad for Edwards because he's so reliant on getting 15 carries for fantasy value. So if Keaton Mitchell's taking five of those, um, it's not great. I, I think Gus is going to score touchdowns, but he, if he's not scoring touchdowns, he's going to be super frustrating. And coming off a day in which he had two touchdowns and we basically saw his worst fears realized where Justice Hill and Keaton Mitchell both played as much, if not ahead of him, uh, I think I'd be trying to sell if I could get something. There's also going to be a regression in Lamar Jackson's touchdown throwing rate, right? I mean, they've scored a bazillion points and Lamar Jackson has only thrown nine touchdowns in nine weeks. I mean, he's going to start throwing more touchdowns, I think, and some of the rushing touchdowns will fall off there. So yeah, certainly like selling Gus Edwards if you can. I think Mark said one of his friends got Gus Edwards for Sam Laporta. That seems like a really good deal uh, to me if you need tight end help. Mark, go ahead with your first move to make. I'm going to go with buy Amonra St. Brown. And uh, this, this one is, you know, certainly a little tough because he's, he's a wide receiver one. I don't think anyone thinks he, like he's a, a fluke at all anymore, but I just think the the rest of the season schedule and role for, for St. Brown should be absolutely elite. He has nine plus targets in 23 of his last 27 games with more than 50% of snaps. Uh, you know, I mentioned elite remaining schedule, seven of their next eight games in terms of, you know, the fantasy schedule all come in a dome. Uh, their playoff schedule is great as well. Should be back and forth shootouts. They get Denver at home, uh, at Minnesota, at Dallas. Like I think that aligns super well. So, you know, I think if you are looking towards the playoffs, have a good shot at it. I think this is a great chance for you to combine like two to three players um, that are, you know, maybe in the wide receiver two to three range and go get Amon Ra. I think he's t- set up to be a league winner this year down the stretch. Um, and then, I, I also mentioned, you know, being a little scared of the Dolphins. Like, I don't think it's crazy to to trade Tyreek Hill and get Amon Ra and maybe someone else. Um, I think that is is kind of like an interesting move, just given the the Dolphins playoff schedule and how elite Tyreek has been. Like, I think you could argue that Amon Ra's floor is is just as good as Tyreek's down the stretch, given the matchup. So, I think he's just a great buy right now, and and like I said, potential league winner. Yeah. Yeah, that would be an interesting move. Trading Tyreek Hill would be something that, like, I'm not sure I could physically do. But yeah. you could get Amon Ra and hopefully a lot, Amon Ra plus a lot more if you're actually giving up Tyreek Hill. I'll go with one that nobody's going to like. The Atlanta Falcons have lost three of their last four games. They have lost five of their last seven games. They play on the road against one of the worst teams in the league, but it's getting Kyler Murray back this week in Arizona. After that, they're on a bye. If you are the owner 
or the GM of the Atlanta Falcons, and you have been humiliated by Arthur Smith and humiliated because you spent the number four overall pick on Kyle Pitts. You spent the number eight overall pick on Bijan Robinson. And then your head coach goes out there and makes you look like an idiot because he plays you, he plays these guys that you valued so highly behind Tyler Algier and Johnny Smith. So I don't think it's crazy to think Arthur Smith could be fired and or pressured into actually using Bijan Robinson. Now, I understand we're wish casting, but I think it's at least in the range of outcomes. And by the way, we have Bijan 44th overall in our top 150. I guarantee you, in 95% of most people's heads who have Bijan Robinson, they rank him like 200th overall right now. Like they are on massive life tilt, massive life tilt about having Bijan Robinson on their team. I'm on massive life tilt from playing him in DFS last week. Okay. So Me too. I, I, I understand you can get Bijan Robinson, I think for way less than 44th overall value at Arizona, even with Arthur Smith, I think Bijan can have a good game here at Arizona, then the buy new Orleans, but in the playoffs, Carolina, Indianapolis, and Chicago. Let me repeat that in the fantasy playoffs, Atlanta gets Carolina, Indianapolis, which is like the fastest team in the league and a great matchup. And then Chicago. So look, man, it's not going to be comfortable, but if you haven't had Bijan this whole time, you shouldn't be on tilt anyways. So trading like an eighth round asset or something to get him is something I would at least uh, explore. And then what you do is you go ham on Twitter, trying to get Arthur Smith fired. It'll be a great day. Okay. Jack, your second move to make. Yeah. My second move to make, uh, I'm going to go with by Javante Williams. He only has one touchdown the entire year, uh, and, and he hasn't been that great from an efficiency perspective. But the last time we saw him play in week eight, he had 27 carries, uh, and Jaleel McLaughlin and Samaje Piran had a combined five. He has a, the, the Broncos throw the ball 29.7% of the time to their running backs. So that's the highest in the league by five percentage points. So even though Samaje Piran is getting the third down work, Williams is still uh, plenty involved in the passing game. And then Jaleel McLaughlin's uh, usage has gone down the past couple weeks. And then coming off the bye, I mean, going into the season, Javante Williams was a guy who we were concerned about the health. He was coming off a, a major injury, a pretty bad knee injury. Um, and he hasn't been the same type of player that we saw from him uh, earlier in his career. But I think it makes sense that he gets healthier throughout the year. Now he's had two weeks the rest of the knee. Um, and we've seen the usage tick up. I think uh, over the second half of the season, Javante Williams could get back to his old self, and we know the usage is going to be there. So I like buying him right now. All right. Buy Javante Williams. Certainly really good usage for Javante in that game before the buy. Mark, your second and final move to make this week. If Amon Ra is, is too big of a swing, I think this is a, a nice fallback option at wide receiver I'm going to go with by DeAndre Hopkins. Um, Will Levis was announced as the you know starting quarterback for the rest of the season for the Titans, which I think is probably good news for DeAndre Hopkins. Um, it's been it's been a great season for Hopkins, despite you know this low passing volume offense in Tennessee. Hopkins in his age 31 season has a 20 plus percent target share in every game, career high 15.2 yard ADOT, uh, career high 2.44 yards per route run, and a career high 16.1 yards per reception. So obviously a lot of that is, is buoyed by that three touchdown game he had in Levis's debut where he was catching the long shots. But I do think uh, their remaining schedule is, is pretty favorable. It's 
should be, you know, top half of, of the wide receiver, receiver schedule remaining. They play Houston twice in the fantasy playoffs, which, you know, we've seen kind of how things have gone with CJ Stroud. Those games can turn into shootouts. So I think Hopkins right now, people are, people still probably think he's old and that, you know, the, the production hasn't been amazing so far this year. And I think he's a wide receiver too the rest of the way. So I'm going to, I'm going to say bye DeAndre Hopkins. All right. Yeah, I do think Will Levis, I agree with Mark that Will Levis is an upgrade for DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, Will Levis effortlessly, effortlessly gets the ball downfield and actually showed really good touch uh, too. And so, yeah, excited to watch Will Levis uh, again this week. My final move to make is going to be a repeat. And, and I don't like doing repeats, but I really do want to hammer this one home. I know Jack brought this one up a couple weeks ago. Hopefully you guys were able to execute on it. It was sell Raheem Mostert. But if you haven't done it yet, I feel like now is the time. People are still really excited about Raheem Mostert. And I get it. He's been incredible. However, buy then at the Bucks is a tough spot. But more importantly, in the fantasy playoffs, what you're getting, I'm sorry, that was that was the wrong one. Buy and then buy and then Raiders is obviously a good spot. But in the playoffs, as we already talked about, Jets, Cowboys, Ravens is like the worst possible setup for Raheem Mostert. We're also expecting Devon Achan back after the buy. Raheem Mostert is also 31 years old and is getting 14 touches per game this year. He's going to wear down. We saw Salvan Ahmed and Jeff Wilson play plenty in these games where Devon Achan was out. And so you can sell Raheem Mostert on what he's done so far this year. I do not think that is anywhere near the expectation of what he should be going forward. You know, it's important. He's our, he's, he hasn't had his buy yet. It's this week. And the playoff schedule is brutal. And I think those are important things at this time of year. All right. That is going to do it for this rest of season top 150 show. If you don't have your in-season package yet or DraftKit Pro, you can get that and have full access anytime to our rest of season top 150 rankings. For Jack, for Mark, for producer Ryan, for producer Steven, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.